Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Dear listeners, as we embark on this penultimate episode of the life of Ronald Reagan in the 10 American Presidents podcast series, I want to express to you my heartfelt gratitude for your company and your support. Exploring the lives and legacies of these remarkable leaders has been an incredible experience, which has lasted for some nine years, and I thoroughly enjoy producing these shows. To continue delivering these uh, hopefully entertaining and informative episodes, I do rely on your support. Now, there's a few ways in which you can support the podcast. Number one, you can do so by becoming a Patreon. On our Patreon page, which is Patreon dot com forward slash the number 10 so one zero then american presidents so that's patreon.com forward slash one zero american presidents you can do that by pledging just seven us dollars a month or 10 us dollars a month your contributions empower me to conduct thorough research and to produce high quality content and ensure a consistent release schedule of at least one episode a month. Each donation, regardless of its size, is a vote of confidence, allowing us to share the story of America's most pivotal presidents in an accessible and engaging manner. Now, that's not all. We also offer you the opportunity to make a one-time contribution to our podcast. Simply visit paypal.me forward slash Royfield, which is spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. So that's paypal.me forward slash Royfield. Or you can click on the link provided in our show notes. Your generous one-off donations will go a long way in, again, supporting my commitment to delivering top-notch content. Now, as a token of our appreciation, whoever donates, whether via Patreon or PayPal, you will receive a special credit on our next episode. It's my way of saying thank you for being an integral part of the podcast. Also, what you can do, if you can't quite afford to become a Patreon of the show, is to write a review on Apple iTunes. It's an incredibly important way for us to get new listeners into the show. Go write a review. I do see them 
and again you'll get a credit on the next podcast with your support it's what makes this all possible where i'm somewhat excited to continue this adventure with you now on with the show this is episode four of the life of ronald reagan narrated by professor ewan morgan this podcast is a royfield brown production find others on itunes all right The realization that he can't progress much further in domestic change and the shift to the right, Ronald Reagan increasingly pays attention to foreign policy from 1982 onwards. Domestic policy takes a backseat because he knows he's on the defensive there, but he goes on the offensive in foreign policy. And off the back of the huge defense expansion planned in 1981, he really envisages not the management of the Cold War that he saw was the fundamental purpose of detente, balancing the Soviet Union and the United States, agreeing to avoid nuclear confrontation and generally managing their relationship in such a way that peace would be preserved. Now, What Ronald Reagan said, we're not out to manage the Cold War, we're out to win it. We're working for reduction of arms and military activities, as I announced in my address to the nation last November 18th. We have proposed to the Soviet Union a far-reaching agenda for mutual reduction of military forces and have already initiated negotiations with them in Geneva on intermediate-range nuclear forces. In those talks, it is essential that we negotiate from a position of strength. There must be a real incentive for the Soviets to take these talks seriously. This requires that we rebuild our defenses. In the last decade, while we sought the moderation of Soviet power through a process of restraint and accommodation, the Soviets engaged in an unrelenting buildup of their military forces. The protection of our national security has required that we undertake a substantial program to enhance our military forces. Our foreign policy must be rooted in realism, not naivete or self-delusion. A recognition of what the Soviet empire is about is the starting point. Winston Churchill, in negotiating with the Soviets, observed that they respect only strength and resolve in their dealings with other nations. That's why we've moved to reconstruct our national defenses. We intend to keep the peace. We will also keep our freedom. Very few presidents have spoken so adamantly about winning the Cold War. We're in it for the long haul. Nobody had wanted to uh, 
put a date on uh, when victory would be won. They promised victory, perhaps, but long haul in the future sometime. Ronald Reagan was saying, we can win it. We can win it very soon. And the reason he was so confident was because the Soviets in the 1970s had engaged in a massive defense expansion. The United States, as he said, had not matched that expansion in the 1970s. And he said to one reporter, look, they're running as fast as they can. We haven't even started running. So what Ronald Reagan was saying, look, once we put our foot on the pedal of defense expansion, they can't match us. And these defense spending mushroom, huge naval expansion, huge expansion of the uh, nuclear missile armory all across the board. Ronald Reagan didn't just focus on one thing. Every facet of American defense underwent expansion. And of course, he also revived the CIA, which had lost some uh, potency in the 1970s. There have been scandals and investigations, but he gives the CIA the go-ahead to conduct uh, subversive operations against the Soviets. And so the Cold War gets hotted up. And with this hotting up, Reagan ramps up the rhetoric. I heard a young father, a very prominent young man in the entertainment world, addressing a tremendous gathering in California. It was during the time of the Cold War and communism and our own way of life were very much in people's minds that he was speaking to that subject. And suddenly, though, I heard him saying, I love my little girls more than anything. And I said to myself, oh, no, don't. You can't. Don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on. I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die no longer believing in God. There were thousands of young people in that audience. They came to their feet with shouts of joy. Yes, let us pray for the salvation of all of those who live in that totalitarian darkness. Pray they will discover the joy of knowing God. But until they do, let us be aware that while they preach the supremacy of the state, declare its omnipotence over individual man and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth, they are the focus of evil in the modern world. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Soviets are looking at Reagan and they're thinking, we've never dealt with somebody like this before. And they begin to get really worried. So much so that it becomes an article of faith in the KGB and even in the Kremlin that Reagan is so anti-communist that he will launch a first strike. Now, Ronald Reagan had no intention of launching a first strike, but the fact that the Soviets, looking at what he was doing, believed it, made the world a much more dangerous place. Now, everybody will say, in answer to the question, what's the most dangerous moment in the Cold War? Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, but the Cuban Missile Crisis was a dangerous moment. There was a dangerous year in the Cold War, and the year of maximum danger was 1983. Now, 1983 takes on significance for a whole set of reasons. The Soviet leadership changes, and Yuri Andropov, who's virulently anti-American, takes over. Also, the uh, Soviets are frightened out of their minds by Reagan's rhetoric. In March 1983, when he gives the famous evil empire speech, the Soviets say, you can't talk to us like this. No Westerner has ever spoken like this. We're not an evil empire. We're a serious power. But Ronald Reagan has sort of branded them as international criminals. And then the worst thing of all happens. Almost as soon as he's given the evil emperor address, Reagan goes on national television to announce that he's about to embark on a new project known as the Strategic Defense Initiative. Now, the Strategic Defense Initiative will revolutionize deterrence theory. Up until now, the Soviets and the Americans have engaged in what's known as mutually assured destruction doctrine, mad doctrine. Mad means no one will launch a first strike because the other side will then retaliate and there will be total destruction. There won't be a world left. So deterrence works on the principle of restraint. Ronald Reagan is now saying that he has a plan to build laser weapons in space capable of taking down incoming missiles. What if free people could live secure in the knowledge that their security did not rest upon the threat of instant U.S. retaliation to deter a Soviet attack, that we could intercept and destroy strategic ballistic missiles before they reached our own soil or that of our allies. I know this is a formidable technical task, one that may not be accomplished before the end of this century. I call upon the scientific community in our country, those who gave us nuclear weapons, to turn their great talents now to the cause of mankind and world peace to give us the means of rendering these nuclear weapons impotent and obsolete. Now, if you can take down incoming missiles, 
What that means is that you have safety against a strike by the other side. So in theory, although this wasn't Reagan's intention, in theory, you could launch a first strike and then hit, strike down through laser weaponry in space, incoming Soviet missiles. The Soviets know they cannot match American technology and the money it will cost. Because the Soviets, the, they're spending 40% of GDP on defense. The Americans are barely spending 7%. There's one winner in the economic Cold War, and that's the United States. Now, all of this builds up. The Democrats are furious. They think this is going to make war more likely. Uh, they call, the, I, I think it's Edward Kennedy, Senator Edward Kennedy of Massachusetts, who coins the term Star Wars for this crazy scheme. In actual fact, that term helps Reagan because people think, oh, Star Wars, that's not too bad, is it? The Democrats shoot themselves in the foot in that regard. But the worst thing is the reaction in the Kremlin because they are now really frightened. And it comes to a head in October and November 1983, when the NATO alliance is holding training operations for war in the North Atlantic. Now, these happen every now and again. There's no big deal about them. But the Soviets believe that they are a smokescreen for an actual first strike. And apparently... They seriously considered doing the first strike first. That's how close we came to it. Now, we know this because the British mole in the KGB, Oleg Gordievsky, warned the British, for God's sake, tell the Americans to back off. Well, the Americans found it difficult to believe that this was a serious concern. Reagan had gone off uh, to the Far East on a state visit, uh, but the Soviets thought that was just another ploy uh, to mislead them. So. We came pretty close in 1983, and Ronald Reagan was appraised of this, and he began to worry, maybe I'm pushing things too far. And from 1984 onwards, beginning with an address he gives and is beamed live to Europe, where he talks of the mutual desire of ordinary people, wherever they live, for peace, that is the beginning of a new strategic emphasis on reducing the tensions in the Cold War. During these first days of 1984, I would like to share with you and the people of the world my thoughts on a subject of great importance to the cause of peace, relations between the United States and the Soviet Union. Tomorrow, the United States will join the Soviet Union and 33 other nations at a European disarmament conference in Stockholm. The conference will search for practical and meaningful ways to increase European security and preserve peace. We will be in Stockholm with the heartfelt wishes of our people for genuine progress. We live in a time of challenges to peace, but also of opportunities to peace. Through times of difficulty and frustration, America's highest aspiration has never wavered. We have and will continue to struggle for a lasting peace that enhances dignity for men and women everywhere. At the same time as Ronald Reagan is uh, now shifting ground on Soviet-US confrontation, he's continuing to ramp up the Cold War in the Third World. Beginning in late 1981, 
Reagan unleashes the CIA and the CIA begins to give aid to anti-Marxist forces in the third world. It provides weaponry to the uh, Afghan Mujahideen to fight against the Soviet invasion. These are the mountains called Hindu Kush. They shield the land and the people of the ancient kingdom of Afghanistan. The song of the mountains says, flowers grow where Russians killed our martyrs. Five years ago, the Soviet Union invaded this place, but above them are the eyes of the people of the mountains, the resistance, the Mujahideen. It funds a group of so-called freedom fighters in Nicaragua. The debate in Washington over the war in Nicaragua. Three years ago, President Reagan authorized the CIA to start supporting the rebels fighting the Sandinista government in Nicaragua. The Sandinistas had earlier been cheered by virtually every segment of society there for throwing out the much-hated regime of the dictator Somoza. But instead of democracy, the Sandinistas copied the Marxist government of Cuba with its one-party rule. This drove some Nicaraguans who had supported the revolution into the countryside, where, with members of Somoza's old bodyguard, they've been waging guerrilla war against the Sandinistas. On the grounds that the Sandinistas were sending arms from Nicaragua to leftist guerrillas in nearby El Salvador, President Reagan began CIA support for the rebels. And it unleashes American power against Colonel Gaddafi of Libya, who's seen as a potential threat to expand anti-American influence across North Africa and into the Horn of Africa. Now, all of this is being done whilst Reagan is ramping up the pressure on the Soviet Union. The critical point becomes Nicaragua, because Nicaragua, you'd think, why is Nicaragua so important? Well, Nicaragua was important to Reagan because there was a civil war going on in neighboring El Salvador. And the Salvadorian military, which was one of the most vicious in the third world, was conducting a campaign of extermination, you can put it that way, against a rebel insurgency who accused it of simply looking out for the interests of uh, the rich planters and the military in uh, El Salvador. And the Americans became convinced that the Soviet Union and the Cubans were using Nicaragua as an entry point to supply the uh, El Salvadorian rebels with weaponry. And they began to build this up into seeing a general offensive uh, by pro-Marxist forces throughout the Americas. And you know, Reagan would say, oh, Managua, Nicaragua and El Salvador, they're only 400 miles from the Texan border. We lose them, then it's Mexico next, and then it's Texas and everything like that. Ridiculous. But you know, this was the, the kind of rhetoric that was being used. Now, the trouble was that uh, Reagan had to get economic military aid to the Contra rebels in Nicaragua, who were the so-called freedom fighters seeking to overthrow the uh, Sandinistas, he had to get congressional approval for this. And the House Democrats found out that uh, the CIA was directly involved in the fighting in Nicaragua and that American arms were being used by the rebels to attack the Sandinistas. And the Republicans weren't very happy about this either because they hadn't been consulted. What happened was that Congress enacted, on a bipartisan basis, 
a number of amendments to the military appropriations bill known as the Boland Amendments. Now, the Boland Amendments progressively made it more difficult for the Reagan administration to support the Contras, eventually saying that the United States would not give any assistance of any kind to a participant in the Nicaraguan Civil War. From late 1981 to early 1983, the Reagan administration sought to operate through legal channels to funnel aid to the Contras. Once Congress had cut off the, that avenue through the Boland Amendment, and uh, this was in 1983, they began to look for illegal ways of circumventing the Boland Amendment. And in mid-1983, National Security Advisor Bud McFarlane began to tap conservative rich foreigners, Saudi princes, South Africans, South Americans, anti-communist South Americans, to provide private funds to support the Contras. While this is going on, Reagan is also ramping things up in the uh, rest of the world. Uh, the most significant uh, operation is to provide the Mujahideen rebels in Afghanistan with weaponry to fight the Soviets. And eventually in 1985, the Mujahideen are given Stinger anti-aircraft and anti-helicopter rockets. And what this means, they're shoulder-fired missiles that can bring down Russian helicopter ships and low-flying aircraft. Already we're beginning to see the balance of power shifting. The Soviets on top in the early 1980s, the Americans are beginning to support the Mujahideen more actively. And from 1985 onwards, the distinct shift in the balance of power in Afghanistan. In 1982... Israel, in its pursuit, in its war on the PLO, invades Lebanon. And this is the beginning of a Lebanese civil war that will claim many, many lives. Reagan in 1983, at the behest of uh, Saudi Arabia, makes an effort to broker a peace by sending in an international peacekeeping force of Americans, Brits, and others. The trouble is their mission is very ill-defined. Uh, they're there to keep the peace, but what does this mean if the government of uh, Lebanon is Maronite Christian and ranged against them are Hamas and other Muslim groups? Slowly but surely, the Americans get drawn into the conflict in an unneutral fashion. And Hamas takes revenge in the spring of 1983 by launching a suicide bombing attack on the Marine barracks in Lebanon, which kills over 250 Marines, the worst single day's loss for the Marine Corps since Iwo Jima in 1945. Reagan can't do anything about it. It's the worst day of his presidency, he later recounted. There's no way that uh, the Americans can track down the group responsible. The gruesome search for bodies continued today. Rescue workers did, in fact, find more bodies. And with each discovery, the task became more painful. The official toll now tops 160 dead and more than 180 wounded not counting one body that was pulled from the debris while News 4 was on the scene this afternoon. And at this very, very moment, uh, when he gets the news about Lebanon, 
He is about to give the order to launch the invasion of Grenada where a Marxist coup on the island has put a very left-wing government in power. And the Grenada Revolution is in one sense even worse because the people of Grenada and the leadership of Grenada speaks English and therefore can communicate directly to the people. Then we can have a dangerous appeal to 30 million black people in the Now, Reagan gives a go-ahead and it's not a wonderfully successful operation uh, in its early stages, but it eventually succeeds after seven days. So uh, disaster and triumph in one week. And the Grenada invasion overshadows the disaster of Lebanon. If you think about Lebanon, Jimmy Carter got the American hostages out alive, although they only came back once Reagan took the oath of office. Reagan had lost, goodness knows, how many Marines in his effort to bring peace to the Lebanon. The Marines were kept there for another few months, but the mission was going nowhere, and they were pulled out in early 1984 with Reagan having arguably suffered America's worst defeat in the Middle East. Officers and men and women of the Corps, ladies and gentlemen, I came here today to pay homage to the heroes of Lebanon and Grenada. We grieve along with the families of these brave, proud Americans who have given their lives for their country and for the preservation of peace. I have just met with the families of many of those who were killed. I think all Americans would cradle them in our arms if we could. We share their sorrow. I want all of you who lost loved ones and friends to know that the thoughts and prayers of this nation are with you. If this country is to remain a force for good in the world, we'll face times like these, times of sadness and loss. Your fellow citizens know and appreciate that Marines and their families are carrying a heavy burden. America seeks no new territory, nor do we wish to dominate others. We commit our resources and risk the lives of those in our armed forces to rescue others from bloodshed and turmoil and to prevent humankind from drowning in a sea of tyranny. Americans have courage and determination and we must not and will not be intimidated by anyone, anywhere. Since 1775, Marines, just like many of you, have shaped the resolve and strength of the United States. Your resolve, your role is as important today as at any time in our history. Our hearts go out to the families of the brave men that we honor today. Let us close ranks with them in tribute to our fallen heroes, their loved ones, who gave more than can ever be repaid. They are now part of the soul of this great country and will live as long as our liberty shines as a beacon of hope to all those who long for freedom and a better world. One of the men back in the early days of our nation, John Stuart Mill, said, War is an ugly thing, but not the ugliest of things. The ugliest is that man who thinks nothing is worth fighting or dying for and lets men better and braver than himself protect him.
wide. Grady in the middle. Here comes Lewis on the outside. Carl Lewis wins the goal. In 1984, growth was back to a whopping 6%. Jobs were plentiful. The Americans were winning in the Los Angeles Olympic Games, a triumph for patriotism and nationalism. And the United States was back on top in the general Cold War. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.